You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's turn after show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's turn after show. Should I wait until everyone hushes? Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to AfterBuzz TV. We are here live in the studio today to do the turn after show. Man, we're getting close to the end with episode 8, The Challenge. I'm your host, Captain Ryan Hooks. Hey, look, we're getting the high sign from the booth over there. We've got a phone call. We started off strong. Uh, Got Adara Victor on the line here calling in. Are you there? Hello. Hey. Hi, Adara. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm finally on the line. <laughs> we were just, just starting. Perfect timing. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. We were just yeah. introducing ourselves. Yeah. Hey, everyone say hi real quick. Hi. So uh, This is Megan. So good to finally talk to you. Yeah. Hi, Megan. Hi, Kristen. <laughs> hey, Adara. I'm Joyce. Hello. Hi. Well, so thank you for calling in today. We really appreciate it. So, Let's talk about your episode this week. Had a couple of great scenes. How, how? Yeah, we had some we had some interesting things go on this week. Um, I mean, kind of a, a continuation of really looking at Anna's relationship with Abigail, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, Abby, Anna was Anna came on kind of strong this week, mm-hmm. as <laughs> in a lot of different ways, and put Abigail in some tough uh, positions for sure. Yeah, definitely. There was, not to say turn, but there was a turn in their relationship <laughs> uh, this uh, this episode. How was it um, playing that with, um, with, with Anna? You know, I have to say, um, Heather is so wonderful, actually, to act opposite. And we kind of formed a relationship really quickly um, that was, you know, she reminded me a lot of my best friend growing up, so... The, the whole camaraderie between the two of them and the notion that these two grew up together was something that wasn't that hard for us to find at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, getting into this episode, what was so great about it was Latoya Morgan, who's the writer of this episode, she and I talked about um, this kind of a dynamic between two friends who, if you're black and your best friend is white and you have, um, you know, the relationship that you have privately with this person, but then you still have to go out into society and deal with society's prejudices and the things, the situations that you could wind up in mm-hmm. um, that really have nothing to do with your relationship. And uh, Latoya had her own personal experience with that. I've had my own personal experience growing up with a friend who was white. And, um, and you know, this is kind of what they were dealing with was like they had their own private relationship where they could put demands on each other, but it doesn't fit into the larger society, which, you know, at the end of the day, you're a slave. This is a woman who, you know, that that society feels needs to be protected from a person like Abigail. But we have our own relationship. And unfortunately, Anna used that against me, you know, yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in this in this 
um, in this episode. So it's one of those things where you think to yourself, gosh, that's completely awful that she would do that. Mm-hmm. But then again, they're sort of sisters. I mean, they're just a couple of years apart, and they really did, you know, go through, like, puberty and, and adolescence and, you know, uh, early 20s together. So they, they really have this bond that kind of tra- kind of goes beyond um, it kind of transcends race and it transcends the the barriers of the time but at the same time they still have to live within those barriers you know mm-hmm. um, so it was really fun to shoot it because we we had our director Jeremy Webb was very like just get in there just just you know really fight in this in this market you know as much as you as much as you can in public but um, you know he he made it so that Heather really didn't feel any qualms about kind of going for um, throwing me under the bus. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you're still family. So, you know, by the time we get into the house and I'm talking, you know, I'm still I'm still going to do it for her. And, you know, by the time we get in the house and Abe's there and, and there's that whole scene with Abe and I talking, it's, you know, it's almost like she's crazy, you know, <laughs> talking about it more like I couldn't stop her. She's crazy. Well, you know her, you know. Cause we all grew up together, so um, so it was kind of fun because it, you don't get to play those more subtle dynamics often in television. It was really fun. I really like too this week with the, you talking about the writing and the contrast of the relationship, where you guys at the market you were talking about the you know your inside and outside relationships. Where there was one dynamic in the market, but then later we saw a different dynamic when you spilled the wine on her and John Andre told you not to worry about it. And it was almost like now you're in his house and you can be the one to control the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that's, mm-hmm. I think that's setting up a really cool dynamic with you and John Andre, which we've mm-hmm. really enjoyed watching the last few weeks. Yeah, because it's yeah, definitely something know, she's going to oh, be sorry, attached. Oh, sorry. It's definitely something she'll be attached to him. Yeah, we've been <laughs> the Abigail John Andre relationship is is interesting um, because we we don't we don't even really know uh, where it's headed for sure. But um, but yeah, you know, starting with what you said, uh, Ryan, about um, the relationship between Abigail and Anna, and in that moment, um, how the tables kind of turned. I would say, you know. The funny thing is that I think even when Abigail was living at Anna's and even though she was a slave, uh, you know, she was a slave at Anna's, I think that there was still a sense of uh, like a slight sisterly, almost big sister, you know, vibe that you can kind of get a little bit of a sense of in the market. Um, Also in the scene in episode um, 105 where we where we talked about where I kind of forced her to take care of my son. But um, I think that you know, there, there is something that happens in that moment where it's like, I'm, I'm now in this house. I'm now with, you know, major Andre and I can sort of, I I think it's the first time that Abigail begins to see what, how she can wield her power and in what ways, you know, um, definitely with the gift. I mean, she already, you know, snuck that in and, you know, the whole notion of like really milking the son's son's birthday coming up and all of that realizing okay i could sort of manipulate this man but in that moment there was definitely a shift of power of like oh well now i'm almost kind of sort of the woman of this house you know to to some extent and i can there are things that i can do um and and, in very covert ways that you know i have i have this allegiance and i can do these things over here but he would have no idea and honestly there's a certain amount of power now that i have with him because of our bond 
that Anna, I'm sure, got to see for the first time then, you know, that, that evening as well. So um, I think going back to the relationship with Major Andre, I mean, we we don't know where it's headed, but um, one of the things that was really important to both JJ and I were that um, you do see the more sympathetic side of Major Andre with Abigail, and it does make the relationship a lot more complicated because now we don't know, you know, how easy it's going to be for Abigail to to um, spy in that house <laughs> uh, with somebody being a sympathetic character to her, and um, even where that sympathy is going, what the motives are uh, for that sympathy from Major Andre, you know. We love that sympathy in that relationship. <laughs> Every week we keep waiting for something more to happen with that, and we want to want to know what's going to happen. And, and, well, and if, she, if, you, if you have anything, JJ's, JJ's wish is that by the end we're basically in bed together the way uh, <laughs> in the movie Lincoln. The, the, the Tommy Lee Jones and S.S. the Merkerson character yeah. basically in bed together reading the paper and drinking coffee while creating <laughs> two intelligence missions. <laughs> so, Maybe one day. Hope. I don't know if we're going to go that far, but... Um, <laughs> I feel like there'd be a cat fight then with Philomena. I don't oh, think yeah. she'd take exactly. well to that. Yeah, well, Amy and I already have plans for a Philomena and Abigail spinoff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Whatever goes on in uh, the, the house of Major John Andre. We'll be the panel for that show. <laughs> the behind the scenes. It's yeah. going to be like Three's Company. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny you said that because Ian, after you guys did the interview with Ian and Amy last week, mm-hmm. I said, he said, you know, I heard about this spinoff, and I invited him in, and I said, it'll be like Ray's company. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be perfect. We'll do it in costume and everything. That would be awesome. <laughs> Please put that on the blueberry. Yeah. In the 1800s, Three's Company. <laughs> I would watch that. Oh, my gosh. Is, I'm, this, oh, um, is this the first time you've, you've played a role that's been based in this time period? Um, I would, yes. Yes, it is. Um, definitely, definitely. I've done a lot of period stuff, um, especially in theater. I did. I wound up doing a lot of period stuff, but more turn of the century, um, um, turn of the 20th century. Um, but this was the first time that I was doing something that far back. And so I had to do a ton of research because um, I just knew so little about that, about that era. I mean, you know, even when we learn about... Um, you know, to some extent, we, there's there's a lot that I know about slavery in general, but to know about it that early on in the country's history was a different, you know, it was a di- it, it took a different level of, of research for me, and um, I definitely uh, even just down to you know what what would she wear, what would she do, what what was her life like? Um, in a way, these people were all creating America at the same time, you know, so so whatever our notions are of what people were like, um, whether it's in slavery or whether it's, um, you know, uh, people talk a lot about the the many different accents on the show, or I know that when they show coins, it's like coins from all these different countries. I mean, what's kind of cool about it is that this was when we, like these were the people that literally created the culture that we now live today. You know, that these are the first of those generations. So um, it it took a lot of going back and researching and really understanding not just what they live like, but the dynamics. Like, what do you mean she's a slave and she's also friends with this woman? How? How? How is that possible? How would that happen? And, 
you know, going back and reading some slave narratives and, and learning a little bit more, I learned that some slave, slaves were sold to households literally to be playmates to people, you know, and, and, um, there, and so those dynamics would be created. And, and, um, and, and it, it was just really fascinating to learn a lot about, you know, that very early, um, that very early period of slavery in America and when America started changing over and how, you know, in that, in that period of really trying to create America, it's like, okay, well, let's make some of these, you know, let's make some of these slaves like people that we can use in our war efforts and, you know, everything from Jordan's role in, in the, the Rangers and the things that he's doing to, to spy missions. I mean, slaves really were a part of those efforts. So um, the the one thing I love about ha- having not done anything in that period is that I got to do a ton of research and learn. Yeah, it's definitely so a much. experience for all of you. Was there anything that you learned in the research that, like, you maybe didn't know but were really surprised to learn? Well, the friendship thing was what was the most shocking thing to me. I just didn't know that. I mean, I knew that it made sense to me that kids are kids and that, you know, no matter the race, if you put kids together, that they're going to become friends and they're going to form alliances and things like that. But... I never knew that um, there was actually there was an actual part of the slave trade of selling small children to households to to be friends with, um, you know, to literally serve as playmates to um, the children of the masters. And I mean, I don't think that was necessarily Abigail's story exactly because she was sold to the strong household at thirteen. But um, that was a bit, but learning more about that dynamic period was just a, a huge. Uh, surprise for me. I, I wasn't, I didn't know anything about that before that. And then I, you know, started learning a little bit more about some of the dynamics of like friendship, you know, with, with, um, with slaves and their, and their mistresses. But that was just a real, that was a real surprise for me. I didn't know anything about that. And the show has even already mentioned, uh, you know, that at this point, slavery is illegal in England. And you can tell, by the way, that the British soldiers treat, you know, people in the, the show's you know, they're more house servants and not slaves. Is there something right. that we can expect in the dynamic then with you and John Andre, you know, where we see, again, more of that growth between you two and more of a, a companion or a friend and less of a slave? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think for sure um, Major Andre is written that way. I think that, you know, he is written in a way where it, it, it is he sees me as, you know, somebody that isn't a, that is a, is more of a servant is working for him. He wants to pay. Um, I think that that is something that, um, the real major John Andre, I mean, from JJ's research, it seems like that was something that, that was part of him, but JJ also playing the character really, it's very important to him. I think that, 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 that is, um, that that is treated with a level of respect and that we, we really understand that this man had this, this aspect of him that he believed this to be important. This is a this is something that this is a value of his um, as a British soldier, but also as Major Andre himself. Just it is a personal value that he wants to make sure that these um, that 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 these that slavery is 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 abolished. He believes in it, and he wants people who were slaves to be treated as people and as people who are working and their servants and so i think that's just going to be an inherent aspect of the relationship um where it goes in terms of how far you know how much he does for abigail is going to be uh, that's going to be an interesting interesting surprise because i don't know um again like if i think his motives are completely pure 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, he is the head of, you know, spy intelligence on, on their side. So there may come a time when he sees, oh, this could be of like of actual, you know, use to me and and does something about it. And so we don't know, um, you know, if that if that's down the line. But for the most part, it's completely genuine. I think he really, you know, it, it is something that it was abolished there. They didn't believe in it anymore. And, you know, that's something that J.J. is really, really advocating in his characters, that that continues. And um, speaking of John Unray, just being in the scenes at his house, you always have kind of the most lively scenes now that you're a part of. Um, whether it's <laughs> the dinner parties go from, you know, killings to, I, I don't frat know what party. you call it. Yeah, this is a frat an English party, yeah. frat party. How is it filming? Let's just go with tonight's episode. Like, how how is how fun is that on set then for you guys? <laughs> well, I mean, you what can, can you actually tell us? Was, I don't know if you can say it actually, but <laughs> we know what tonight's episode was, and it was it was interesting. It was, um, you know, that was debauchery. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was, yeah, the debauchery of tonight's episode was quite fun to film. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it took us a long time to film some of those scenes, those um, the dinner party scenes. Um, that, that, that went very late into the night. We were shooting till like 3 a.m. one night and then continued the following day. And, um, you know, it was just when you shoot a scene like that, you have actors from everywhere and some really like to get into it. And so, you know, they're, they'd be like spilling the wine everywhere and you've got costume people being like, you know, really upset and worried about where this wine's going to go and, you know, how many takes are we really going to do and is that, can we do white wine instead of red wine? And, you know, there's a lot of those kinds of questions that come up because people do start getting into it, you know. You mm-hmm. see some of the girls start to pull down their corsets a little more and get the cleavage out a little more and, you know, um, <laughs> really, you know, there was a point when Heather and I were like, "Wow, it's really getting kind of muggy <laughs> in here. Like, it's really, <laughs> we're really going for this." So, um, yeah, people, it was fun for sure. I mean, people, we all really, really got into it. And honestly, shooting long hours with a theme like that is is kind of good for the theme because it it lets you know these these people are kind of in that it, they really start to get everybody starts to get more relaxed. You're you're really starting to get into this whole feel of like the speediness of it almost, <laughs> you know. So, um, so it was it was fun. I mean, it was not fun being Abigail in the middle of that. Cause I, was like, I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you had to play like the straight but, man in the scene, just like uh. yeah, exactly, exactly, Drunken exactly. Idiots. I'm the one who's grossed out by everything happening. But honestly, that that became not so hard to be after a while. When the room started getting sticky, it was like, all right, this is just kind of nasty. Speaking of that scene, um, so I could just stand and judge, but it was sorry <laughs> for interrupting. Um, speaking of that no. scene, at the end of it, a couple of us were wondering: was that spill on Anna's dress that Abigail uh, did? Was it, or wasn't it mm-hmm. intentional, or is that sort of up for interpretation? Was it? I'm sorry, say that again. Was that spill of wine on Abigail or on Anna's dress that you did? Was that supposed to be intentional, or is that sort of up for interpretation? Oh, I guess I can reveal that. Um, that was totally intentional. Um, that was, that was, we needed an exit. We mm-hmm. needed to figure yeah. out how we were going to get her out of there. And um, it was the only way, really, to to get her out of there. It was like, okay, well, 
let's do this thing where, you know, I spill this on you, then I can say, okay, I'm going to take you to the back and clean it, you know, by the kitchen or whatever, and then somehow you can flip out. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that was an intentional spill that um, – that I, that Abigail, I guess I'll leave it up to interpretation whether or not Abigail and Anna were in cahoots about that. But otherwise, she's just like, "This is from the market. I'm just going to mess up your dress." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, like I don't know how they they didn't talk. They didn't make too big of a plan for the evening, but mm-hmm. that was definitely you know it was like, okay, well, this is this is going to get you out of here, and and that was it. You know. So just, um, yeah, um, that was intentional. Just speaking about their relationship, um, you, you mentioned that they have a very sisterly, very friendly relationship. Does Abigail see Anna as like a younger sister then, somebody who needs taken care of? Or are they kind of, or does she see them more as like it's it's kind of an equal give and take relationship? I think it winds, I think, in her, I think it just kind of naturally wound up being a little bit more of a big sister, little sister thing. Not, not not with any kind of a huge difference. I think they're they're equals, but since I am somebody who was taking care of her, you know, there is that level of, you know, a bit, a little bit of a big sister thing. And, and I think that, you know, I, I had to, there's, there's this comic that I don't know if you guys got to see it, but Nancy did these really cool, this cool origins comic. And um, they showed some of the characters like when they were younger and there's one strip of, of uh, Anna sick in bed and Abe comes up to her window and I'm, you know, watching over her and her mom's coming and I'm like, Anna, your mom's coming or something like that. And so I think there was, when you, when I, when we look back at their story, I'm sure there was just so much of that of Abigail having to take care of Anna, you know, not just because of the job, but because of also just becoming close and being like, well, I have to sort of protect you. And, and, Anna, and Anna having somebody there to do that, of course, I think anybody sort of starts to become a little spoiled and let, let that person be the person that's going to take care of them, you know? Mm -hmm. So they definitely have a little bit of that relationship, I think. And, um, and so I think that, you know, even though they're, they're definitely equals, I think that they're that level of, okay, I I have to take care of you because it's my job, but I also now care about you as a friend and a sister. So, I'm going to watch out for you is there. And that, that just kind of lent itself for me to like a slight big sister, um, big sister vibe. And, you know, I already have a son and I, you know, we didn't get to really talk about it or it was, it was cut out of episode 105, but I was married and I lost my husband, you know? And so Anna's been there for me through that. And she, you know, made promises then like, okay, well, when, when that happens, we're going to, you know, we're going to make sure that, you know, you're free one day. And those were all promises that Anna sort of made, which is what made that moment so much more difficult. But, um, you know, this is that, that relationship that, that, uh, Anna and I have was very, it's very much like equal, but sisters. And I think I play a little bit more of a big sister role to her because I've been through a little bit more in life, Mm -hmm. you know, that makes sense. Oh, um, we we mentioned uh, Jordan a little earlier, and um, the, this war has sort of thrust them onto opposing sides, but they're they're not really they're not really aware of that as of yet. Um, do you think uh-huh. their paths will cross soon, and that when when that comes time, that they'll butt heads? Huh. Um, you know, I hope their paths cross again very soon. I don't think. 
I don't see them butting heads because um, I think both of them are in a position where they're doing what they have to do for reasons that are not, it's not like Jordan's fighting with the British because he wants to or believes in it. And it's not like Abigail is even necessarily, you know, her involvement with aspiring really did come from her desire for her son to be well taken care of. And these are her friends, you know, she grew up with these people, but she really, this is, you know, this is, this was about her, her really getting herself involved in this had to do with her son. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Jordan's is survival. Mine is my son, but in both cases, it's more of a survival thing. And so I think there's a, a kinship there that you kind of see it in the, the moment when we both realize we're in New York and I see him, you know, with the Liberty for Slaves and he's working in New York and I'm headed to my new employment um, in episode 105. But I think that if, they, if their paths were to cross again, if anything, they would have just the, the, the relationship of, you know, understanding of, wow, look at what we've had to do just to survive in this world, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it would be much more of a connection than than a than a rivalry, but who knows what we're going to be? You know, if we're going to be pitted against each other, I mean, who knows? Who knows what what's coming? So before we let you go, I have one more question for you. Okay. Are you ready? This is the tough one. So aside from John Andre, because you have all these scenes with him, who is your favorite character to watch in turn? Oh come on! <laughs> on the spot. You know what? I'm going to say Philomena, Amy. Nice. I have, she has been so She's, fun for me. Yeah. Every time I see her, yeah, every scene that I see her in, I'm just like, I love her. Like, I love watching her. I think she's a lot, a lot of fun to watch. But, you know, that's just because everybody else is, I, I feel like everybody else, I, I, I'm, I'm, I sort of expect it. It's almost like when I read the script, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that Ben Talmadge, I feel like that is exactly right, you know, and, and the same with Abe, and it's the same with Ian with um, Washington, and all, all of these different characters that have even come up through the show, but um, I don't know, Philomena, you know, that little harpsichord starts, and Philomena pops on the screen, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, she's so much more than just, like, a little, you know, actress, like, Flash, you know, um, almost spy kind of <laughs> girl that's just, you know, there to do whatever John Andre does. It's, she's a fun character for me to watch, so I, I like her. Um, but that's a, I, would, I don't have a favorite. Favorite Favorite's kind of hard. It's a strong like, word. <laughs> to someone you so, enjoy, then. And I love Caleb. I have a special place in my heart for Caleb. And we do, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just love Daniel so much. So, yeah. Yeah, those, awesome. are, those are my favorites. Well, we love watching all you guys. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I love that you guys do this every, every week. This no, is awesome. We're I so excited. You, you, uh, are so into the show. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, where can the fans find out a little bit more about you before we let you go? Wait, what did you say? Where can the fans find out more information about you? Oh, um, you know what? You can go to my Twitter. Um, Idara Victor, I-D-A-R-A Victor. Um, or, um, if you go to my Twitter, you'll see there's a there's a website, edarevictor.com, mm-hmm. um, and there's a little bit of info about me there. So that would be the best place to well, find me. And you're going to be here next week, right? I am. Yeah, yeah we have you, you with me. Cool. We also have, um, if I'm saying his name correctly, Aldis, who plays Jordan, will be in with you guys. So your paths will cross next week <laughs> in our studio, at least. We plan that. <laughs> 
That was our tie in question. <laughs> We're very excited to meet fun. you. That'll be fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much for calling in, like I said again, and we will see you next week here. Uh, and we will let you go until then. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thank, thank you bye. so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'll see you next week. <laughs> there you go. Adara Victor, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my Abigail. Gosh. So this whole, really cool. This whole cast, man, they're just been like the nicest people. They're I mean, so I've been doing nice. so many shows here, but they're just like they're so into it. And it's really great and just everybody's been so personal. That's really like it's exciting for us and the fans and it's just like I wanna just write to AMC and be like, Can you give them season like five seasons in a musical just go or something. Find you know? them all in advance right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would totally watch a turn musical. <laughs> Hush. Could that be a thing? Hush. <laughs> it would be oh. all in, in Shadow Puppets. Shadow Puppets? <laughs> yeah. And then we get to the too. point where Philomena and Abigail have like their spin-off show with Three's Company. It's there like, come go. on, knock on our door. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think we need to talk about right now? Let's talk about American Express. Let's do it. All right. America. America. <laughs> Express. American Express. Express. I, that was Bring you. It, Raya. Send it right We're over so to Raya. Ready. My name is Yvonne Sarabia, and I am a home health aide. My credit score was very high. It was like 700-something. Then I had like a hiccup in my finances. Everything just crashed. But I don't crawl under a rock and cry. It takes baby steps to get back. So that's what I am doing. With American Express Serve, you have a full-service prepaid account that helps you handle your money simply and affordably. There's no credit check. You can pay your bills online and reload cash for free at over 15,000 locations, all for $1 a month and all backed by the 24-7 service of American Express. This is what membership is. This is what membership does. Get started with an American Express Serve card at CVS Pharmacy or Family Dollar today. Terms and restrictions apply. Go to serve.com for more details. Hey, and there you have it. Hey, so thanks everyone for tuning in today. We're here to do turn episode eight now that we're full in swing. Uh, mm-hmm. You can check us out on iTunes. You can download our content on there. You can find us on YouTube. You can leave us comments. Uh, I apologize. We have had some issues with our server and the company that's been uploading it here the last couple weeks. Everything should be up and running very soon. So thank you for your patience in this matter. But again, you always find us on the YouTube and definitely leave us comments, give yes. us reviews. They're they're in the process of transferring over to a new server, so there's a lot of AfterBuzz content, so please bear with us. Yes, mm-hmm. you can find all of our content there, all 75 or more of our shows that we do every single week. So there's tons of stuff for you guys to check out on there, so keep it up. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys. Seriously, like we read all of the reviews and every all the comments too. I, I love mean. getting tweets from people. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my god, I got a Twitter message. And we, we pretty much always respond. Mm-hmm. So, I do. Say hi. <laughs> At least. Yeah, please At least free. favorite it. Yeah. We love talking yeah, about this way. show, so feel free to talk about it with us as well. And it yeah. helps us, and we all do We do this for free, so we like hearing from you guys, and it helps um, our bosses know that you also like the show, so they keep doing yeah. it as well. And it helps us tell AMC what's up, because then season two, season three, season five, keep our fingers three's crossed. company spinoff. Yeah. I, I love mean, this musical. <laughs> we're in for the musical. And more guests. And more yes. guests. So anyway, yeah, back to you were saying, everyone in this cast has been so nice and so mm-hmm. uh, interactive. And so f- make sure you guys reach out to them as well. Tell them what a great job they're doing because um, they love hearing from you as much as we love talking about them. And it seems like all of them, too, it's not like some 
you know, uh, actors where they have like their team go and do their Twitter, like all of them are, that's actually them answering. So yeah. Very personal. It's been very cool. I know about you guys. Highlight of my life is like when I get uh, like Kevin McNeely, when he was tweeting us, like that was like the highlight of my month. (laughs) I remember when he posted it on Facebook. (laughs) I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. All right, let's talk about this week's episode because we're running low on time. Mm-hmm. So I want to start off this week uh, just talking a little bit about the Simcoe-Hewlett interaction, if you will, because we're finding out a new uh, – basically a new piece of history has been introduced this week uh, with this petition for the New York Convention, um, which essentially is names of people that are sympathetic to the, the American side. Hopefully this is some names that are going to lead Simcoe to you know, find what he's been looking for. And also this is the information that Richard's been looking for to – basically take Sila's land. Mm-hmm. So do we think he's going to find it? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, I think... Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the um, I think the most important part of, like, this conversation is when um, when Simcoe's walking away and Hewlett is, like, quietly... I was just... That was and, my next question. And Simcoe just smiles and he's like, of course, and walks away with the biggest grin on his face. So much my next question was, if he finds it, is he going to do it quietly? No, nope, I doubt I it. <laughs> I was looking at Twitter and a couple people had been tweeting Samuel Rokin's going, I don't think Simcoe knows what the meaning of the word quiet is. I don't know. Like, I feel like he's almost... I think he could take it into that, like, like mischievous ninja type and all of a sudden be like, oh, did I just kill you? Oh, oops. <laughs> Sorry. You would think after what he's Apologies. been through, maybe his attitude would change just a little bit. But I think that's what I like best about him. I like, think, great. No, it's I think so he's great. even more determined now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? I think like he's, he could be one of those characters that like when you're in a room and you're getting ready and all of a sudden you just like look over your shoulder like ah. <laughs> I feel like he could do that. He has that potential. In him. I, even I believe there. in Simcoe and being <laughs> quiet. Like the kid from Hey Arnold that's always behind her. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> Simcoe standing there. And I, I like that though that he's like still always this sort of like mischievous, up to no good kind of character, and he hasn't changed from that. Yeah, he's, he's always a little bit he's you know sarcastic and. Mm-hmm. Kind of, oh, okay, oops, sorry, apologies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he's very smart about it. And he still yeah. keeps that creepiness where it's like, now I like him, but I'm like, still still keeping that creepiness, though. <laughs> There's, like, still something where I'm like, ooh. Stop staring at me. It's kind of the comic relief in the show, but, mm-hmm. like, he's always up to something. It's it's not for nothing. He's funny, but he's also very much a force to be reckoned yes, with. And exactly. that's what makes him so intimidating, is even though he's smiling and making us laugh, there's still something like, ah, you're still the <laughs> brutal guy that. that stabbed a dude at the dinner table, so... <laughs> Not to be not to be trifled with. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll see more with the petition for the New York Convention uh-huh. and the names that are involved. Because this may also introduce us to a couple uh, more characters that we may get coming up in the next couple episodes, or hopefully in season two. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. Hopefully season two. So much studying. To I do. have faith in AMC. <laughs> yes. They, yes, they keep up good content. You know, and I'm kind of curious also to see like. You know, come Emmy season, at the very least, like I mean, the acting's great. The costumes, it's set, yeah, yeah, exactly. Set, and I mean, you can't overlook that. It's uh, been phenomenal. Yeah, I hope this show gets recognized. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, cool. Is there anything you want to talk about that? Because that was a really short bit no, this week. It was, yeah, it was pretty. All right, short. cool. Yeah. So moving along, I want to talk next about the Caleb prisoner swap, where we find out a little bit more about Samuel and how he's actually dead. Sila, mm-hmm. who everyone thinks now is dead. But it shows up. Do you wonder, like, what's going on with Sila? Because he's been 
you know, in the first couple of episodes, he was, you know, kind of more personable. And he's really been beaten down by being on the jersey and sort of almost lost hope and very just distant. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like he's just kind of given up. I mean, and when he finds out what's happened to all of his assets, it's it's not going to be... It's going to be worse for him in that sense. Yeah, I just feel like it only go, it's only going to go downhill from here for him. Yeah, because he'll have lost everything at this point. And, and Anna. And, yeah, and exactly. he'll probably see that as a huge betrayal as well. So this is a man who's haunted, who's been haunted by, like, what he's gone through. And the one friend he had on the jersey, you know, passed away. And he was the one that had to kind of put him overboard. I kind of feel like he's a little bit like... Um, uh, oh my gosh! I was gonna say Johnny Depp and in, in, um, Sweeney Todd, uh, Sweeney Todd kind of a character where he goes off and he's kind of this you know he has his family and is optimistic and he's coming back and he's just you and know he's lost everything exactly but, and he's yeah. driven by that. Mm-hmm. So then, do you think that with that that this is going to be something that could be a driving force? Because now that he's with Caleb and, and Tomage, he could theoretically get joined up with them, could join up with the Patriots, could also become a spy. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, we haven't really got into that as well, an aspect, yeah, but officially, Sela is dead, right? Um, and so, you know, under the name Samuel Talmadge, she's she's going to be able to move around and everything like that. But you know, for all intents and purposes, on the books, Sela's dead, and I'm wondering about how long they're going to allow that to continue before before our you know before our heroes find out no, he's actually not dead. Well, and they almost. If they're going to keep up this Samuel thing, they almost can't go back to Setauket because everybody there, it seems like they all know each other. So as soon as you come back and be like, ah, oh, Sela's here, yeah. you know, it's just, it's going to blow his cover. So I kind of wonder if maybe he doesn't go home right away. And maybe or he at does. All. Yeah. yeah, maybe he joins, you know, Caleb and Ben because he trusts them and they know each other. And, you know, they all had each other's back this episode instead of him, him going home, which could also, you know, Eventually, I think that's going to get to Anna and be like, wait, you didn't tell me you weren't home? And, you know, then she's like, oh, well, I've been sleeping with Abe. And, you know, there's a lot of problems there. Going back to him, like, making his feelings like a driving force, I feel like also what he went through on the jersey, seeing Sam, who seemed to be a really good guy, like you said, he lost all hope. He probably lost all hope in the goodness of people. And Sam seemed to be, like, the last good person on that ship. He was the only one praying. And then, of course, the one that was praying every day and not cursing God was the one that had to die and get dysentery and get thrown off the ship and everything. It's like, um, yeah, just his last, his his hope for goodness is just totally gone because of that. Yeah, I agree. And I, I could see that very much happening where he gets set up with Tomage and Caleb in the aspect of becoming a spy or becoming something involved with them on the front. Because well, like, he, yeah. he doesn't have anything else to go to. And then also just, you know, because Robert Rogers is going to be after him, it's probably not a bad idea to keep him in there instead of, you know, separating too much because... You know, his cover's kind of blown, at least with yeah. Rogers. Robert Rogers is, you know, his only defense was, this man isn't actually who he claims to be. And, <laughs> and it's like, well... It. they've got papers. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and so he that, made the papers. Yeah, yeah. So that plan kind of yeah, backfired on him. Yeah. Oh, so it. he's probably like, ah, oh, dang it. Kind of shot myself oh, in the foot there. Yeah. <laughs> this is good, though. This is creating, like, a really cool rivalry between Rogers and Talmadge because now they both know that they're both after each other. They both really don't like each other. Yeah, this is the first It's like time the first face-off. 
the first episode that they've been face to face, and um, and now yeah, now Robert Rogers knows exactly who he's after, and you know, kind of all the cards are on the table. Everybody knows where they stand. It's it's less of a game of cat and mouse now. But at the same time, this is the first time we've seen Rogers kind of give in to a higher authority. Because when the soldiers showed up and stopped the standoff, they said, you know, by order of John Andre, stop. And then he, he stopped because he was outnumbered. And I think that's going to irritate him a lot. But could I we think, see? I think he also kind of knew. I'm sure that part of the orders were were to kill him if he resists because him and Andre have talked so much and they've had enough uh, back and forth where I think he probably gets that was part of it too and he he doesn't want to die yet yeah not until not... he can take his revenge mm-hmm. <laughs> they're both no BS kind of people well and um but at the same time Rogers like kind of understands Ben psychologically too because he he was saying at one point you know war makes brothers of us all and Benjamin Talmadge has every right to try to avenge his brother in the same way that I have every right to avenge mine so he he completely understands that you know they're basically in the exact same situation they just have to be happen to be you know going against each other opposite sides yeah mm-hmm. I like that. I like that they're showing a mutual respect for each other as well, because that's going to, I think it's going to set up more intense struggles between them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got on that. Um, but I do like the the aspect that we saw Sila as well, kind of, again, coming out of his stupor and sort of joining up with them. And I, I like that we are getting more with uh, Jordan as well, because we learned a little bit about his history, because um, we get his real name. Uh, was it Akimbodi? Akinobi, the brave one, yes. the warrior. But I think that, and you were talking about when uh, Idara was on the phone, we're going to see more with Jordan in that aspect. And he's going to become loyal to Rogers, I think, because of the way that Rogers is treating him. He's treating him like an equal. You know, he's not treating him like a slave. He's not talking down to him. And he's... He kind teaching of talks he down to him a little bit. A little bit. Earlier. But it's yeah. kind of more in that military way. Yeah, in a yeah. teaching I'm sort of way. I'm an old, experienced soldier, and I'm talking down to I you don't to think, teach you a thing or two. Yeah, I don't think Jordan maybe recognized that at first, because he's like, that's not my name, you know, not boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I'm sure he had, you know, has gotten that a lot based on Probably his. has gotten that all his mm-hmm. life. But then he kind of did, too, when he was showing off. He's like, oh, I don't need my gun to catch a squirrel. And he comes back with two. Mm-hmm. He's proving himself little by little. Do you think that if um, Rogers does get killed by um, Andre's orders, that Jordan will try to avenge his death, and then that'll bring them, that'll bring him to Abigail, and then I don't know. I I think if um, Rogers is going to get killed, I don't know if um, Jordan's at the point where he would take up the cause, so to speak, or if he would just be like, "Well, I'm a free man now. I'm going to go do my True. own thing," and I'm out. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. So I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, but they could, like, their relationship could progress to the point where if Rogers was killed, he would want to get revenge. Yeah. So it, it's it's all kind of on, like, how this... I like how character-driven this show is, because I really am invested in all these characters now. And so if their relationship does develop to that point, yeah, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get into the meat of the episode, because that's what we really want to talk about. We've been dying to talk about... Abe's interaction this week because we start off the show at the very beginning where they're in Brooklyn they're looking over the harbor Abe and Anna and they're you're talking about the duality Megan they're both naked yeah. <laughs> where they're 
this this whole opening scene, um, you know, and it comes back around towards the end. But um, I really like when shows cut back and forth, and there mm-hmm. there is this kind of like mirror image um, in terms of like the action that is being taken, and we see that as they're both dressing for the day. You know, we cut back and forth to them like buttoning up their, you know, for Anna, it's buttoning up her dress and putting on, you know, Abe putting on his collar and everything. And as, as them like getting ready for whatever war was coming their way. And then at the end of the episode, it came full circle and a lot of things became clearer. They felt a little more comfortable and relaxed and they just took it all off again. Yeah, it, well, it was kind of like putting on a costume. You know, we're putting on the facade, you know, or, or putting on battle armor. Mm-hmm. And for Abe, he was putting on... Um, that badge. I don't remember what what that's called, but it's what you do when you you know you're a, to show that you're a loyalist. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah. Red, yeah, his red flower that he wears. Exactly, mm-hmm. and um, and everything like that. So you know, it's either putting on a costume or putting on your own si- sort of. And the type only way they could be they could be together is when they don't have that on. Is exactly. when all of that comes down. All yeah, those walls come down. I still don't. I know, I know I've said this before. I still don't like cheer for them to be together yet. I I mean I'm not unhappy with it, but I just I don't know. I feel like. They should have waited more. I mean, they could have played with it a lot more than just bring them together in the first season. I feel like that's something that, you know, should have waited and have us, like, kind of cheer a little bit more for, like, yeah, get them together. I just right now we're less cheering and going, no, you're both still still married. married. Seal is still alive and Mary is sitting at home with the baby. Come on, guys. Do you think, though, then, at the same time Mm -hmm. that now that they've been together, because they end this episode with that. She's going to be pregnant? Well, that's question one. Is she? Get- I mean, he didn't have his uh, what was it, his hat. He didn't, he didn't see his. Uh, <laughs> no habit. No, well, that's not where I was going with that. that. She's pregnant at first off. Okay, fine. But now that you're talking about cheering for them to be together, that this is going to create, you know, the desire to be together. But now they're not going to be able to because we're going to find out eventually that Celia's alive. She's going to go back to Mary. So now it's almost like they want to be together. Both of them are on board, but they can't. Because mm-hmm. before it was, you know, one or the other wasn't always on board for it, and now they both want that. Still, yeah. though, in this time period, I mean, kind of divorce and all of that was just it. It rarely it was, you know, didn't, didn't exist. really happen. Didn't yeah, it didn't exist for well, you know some and of it. We we get. I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but we we find out what initially drove them apart in the first place in this episode, and now that that's been revealed, and it, it's only after that is revealed that they come back together. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. I think th- that was the, those are the things that Anna's been wanting answered her whole life, like or the whole time she's known Abe and she's been in love with him, and he find she finally finds out, you know, why he's felt that way, and that only makes her want him even more. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I mean, I kind of sympathize with that. I could kind of see where she's coming from with that, but I am uneasy about their union because they're both still married, and it I mean, only it, mean trouble for Anna later on. Yeah, exactly, and I guess it, at least with yeah. Anna. I mean, she thinks her husband's gone. I mean, but with Abe, I mean, I know he doesn't love her, doesn't love Mary, but he's, you know, he's still married. It's, it's, he's still got a kid. I mean, think of the son, if anything. He's well, still and he, young. he made the commitment, well, regardless of the reasons why he chose to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it was his decision, and he has to live with the consequences. Get it together, Abe. I Get like that together. we found out, you know, Which the reason. No you know, I love that story this week. I did too. Yeah. It was a great little, reveal. And yeah. then you do feel, I mean, I felt a little bit more connection to them being together then because you're like, oh shoot, well he feels like he's he the one that killed his brother her too. Yeah, and yeah. and his obligation wasn't just like, oh, because I have to do this. He he literally feels like, I mean, he it's said he wanted fault. to kill yeah. himself in 
not so many words, but if he could kill anybody, it was the kid that put the hat on, mm-hmm. and that's him. So he almost, like, wishes he was dead, I felt like, you when know, because of what that. it's cost him. It's cost mm-hmm. him, you know, the love of his life. Do you think that's why he, his brother. because of that, too, he feels guilty, and that's why he strives so hard to please his father? Mm-hmm. You know, because they probably haven't always seen eye to eye, as we've learned, but recently he's tried a lot harder, and I'm sure, to me, it seems like a lot of it's guilt. Because oh, totally. I'm sure Thomas was his father's favorite and, you know, the oldest. And Well, and you have to wonder, too, like, what would dad, you know, what would dad think if he knew I oh, was no. the reason that Thomas, the favorite, yeah. was dead? And that's just got to be something that's constantly he's been over his head this entire time. You know, that's it's a secret that he's going to probably he feels he probably is going to live with for the, you know, until the day he dies. Mm hmm. And if Anna is the only one that knows at this point, but, I feel like that's going to get out a little bit, doesn't it? At some point, it's like Richard to. has is going to find out. Same with you know them sleeping together. I mean, Sila's going to find out too. It's a show; they're going to learn <laughs> it. It's TV. It <laughs> yeah, has, it has everyone to has happen. to find yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. But um, to me, that was definitely the most touching moment of this episode. And again, it's creating more depth with Abe's character, and it's giving us more reason to cheer for him to be successful regardless of if you agree or disagree with the the end of the show with them hooking up mm-hmm. it still makes you feel for abe and the stuff that he's going through absolutely so i like that so i want to talk about this party also because <laughs> man i want to go to a Ain't british no party like a john andre party <laughs> what? the man is a very gracious host they were doing bongs they were, Where were puking rallies invita- where's your invitation megan ch- what is it their chunder bucket <laughs> Yeah, we're, oh they're basically gosh, throwing yeah. up and keep drinking. He talked <laughs> about how much wine in the fireplaces. And, well, yeah. and I like how at the very beginning of the episode, Abe was like, "Oh, is this a, is this a Mason's gathering?" And the and I think it was Cook. He was like, "No, it's way more fun than they're, a Mason's. They're party. boring. Screw the Masons. <laughs> a little stab at the Masons. You know, because they have such a historical aspect of American society. This is way better than the Masons. <laughs> the the party got out of hand though, and. I want to know what's going to happen with the book because they they find this secret John Andre book which has this code. Everything's in numbers, you know. And Abe says it's like the code that they use, so hopefully they can decipher it. But you know, who knows what's in it? Yeah, We're, and uh, is, do you think like that John Andre will come back and be able to tell that somebody tampered with it if it wasn't and, placed right or? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, it'll probably be fine. But you know, somebody as as attentive as John Andre might be like. This isn't where I left it, and it's you know it's not like the pages and bookmarked he or something that you know wasn't bookmarked anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, and if he can tell that you know somebody you know got access to this book, that information has been compromised, and if that's the case, then you know he can mm-hmm. he might be able to like be like okay, there's going back off of- to who was in his bedroom. Yeah, probably. maybe he pulled. I mean, a ward with <laughs> on Agents of Shield where he put that they put the um, penny like on the top of the mm-hmm. door. And then it drops. I mean, it could be something as simple as that as yeah, well. Yeah, to tell to that somebody's of... been tampering with his stuff. Mm-hmm. Put a little piece of paper in there so when you pull it out, the paper comes out. Because he even said earlier on, I mean, he keeps an eye out for every everybody. I mean, that's what happened at the dinner part, the last dinner party, um, yeah. was he was noticing little details. So I feel like he almost had to have something triggered. Yeah, and if that's the case, he's like, okay, well, we can use this to our advantage then. Well, you and know. then you have... Uh, is it Weir? Yeah, Weir. Um, who walked in on them in the room? 
you know, so they could almost trace it back that way. And, yeah. And, I mean, he tried to play it off because earlier in the episode, uh, you know, he and we were conversating and we were kind of played a little prank on him and got him to drink early. And he's like, oh, I got you. So this is like, oh, I got you back. You know, like yeah. he had set the whole thing up to get the girl up there. Mm-hmm. He improvised. Abe improvised really well there. I think so. Yeah. I was expecting him. I actually thought that maybe that was a foreshadowing of something much worse. <laughs> Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. I mean, this is probably pretty bad for Weir. <laughs> well, who knows if he'll want to have revenge again? He's like, yeah. you took my hot woman away from me. Yeah. Well, and this might be able to. This actually might affect Abe's, you know, ability to do business with his relationship Cook. with Cook, right? Because Cook is like, I, I brought you to this really prestigious party, and you embarrassed me. You made a fool of yourself, and I look bad because you offended somebody. So mm-hmm. um, that might he might not want to do business with him anymore, or if. If nothing else, we'll probably won't be inviting him to any more parties, you know, coming. Well, and then who knows if he's going to get back at him because his whole thing was um, to take coal from, like, families yeah. or something. I mean, maybe like, oh, got you back. I'm going to take yeah. some stuff we, from we you. We find out some kind of nefarious stuff going on that <clears throat> these people basically want to profiteer from the war. They want to basically, you know, guilt is relative, I think, was the term uh, that we are used was like. Um, that, you know, you you just pick people you don't happen to like and we'll confiscate their goods and we'll all profit from it. And they'll sell it and exactly. create some kind of list of things that they've done, whether they're real or and not. that makes me wonder if maybe that's kind of what Richard was doing, if that's sort of the game that they were playing and why he was so kind of bent on like, oh, yeah, Sila's totally a patriot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I might have already sold all of his stuff without him without actually owning it. But yeah, yeah, he's totally a patriot. <laughs> I think so. That I think we're going to see more of that coming up as well because I think that's the only useful information that he got from the party because mm-hmm. obviously the purpose was to spy and to get more information and there was a, a very pinnacle moment with that information being passed. So I think it's going to get passed along and hopefully uh, we'll get some more people in trouble. Some more stuff stolen. It can only get more interesting. And hopefully we'll be able to decipher the code because Abe just sort of made an assumption that, you know, that it was the same code. I hope that that, uh, brings back then Nathaniel. Stephen Root's going to come back. Not my buddy. What encryption are you using? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I hope, yeah, because I feel like, you know, Ben's going to give it to him because Ben didn't even think of an encryption. Because I like when when Abe's like, oh, yeah, Ben's going to know what this is. And it's like... Well, he didn't even think to do it in the first place. They're going to give it to Nathaniel. So. Ben's, yeah, Ben still needs to study. <laughs> yeah. A little bit here on the side. All right. So do we have anything else we need to talk about tonight? I think we're getting to that time. Oh, um, man. Okay. Let's talk about some AfterBuzz TV predictions. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. Kristen. Go first. Um, <laughs> you're looking. It's like in school, and you're like look down because you don't want the teacher to call on you. Yeah, you were looking down, like, so that's why I called. Well, no, I was looking at my notes. Megan's over here, attentive, like pick me, pick me. I was looking at my notes, kind of like, did I write anything down? Um, that I think we kind of talked a little bit. I mean, I feel like um, I don't know if the next episode we'll find out that um, Anna knows that Sila's alive, but I feel like maybe that'll be in the the following one. Um, that'll be kind of a big moment, and. I also, I I do I do think Abigail and John Andre. I think that's going to be difficult for her. We saw in the previews that Hewlett had a gun up to somebody. <laughs> he was about um, to cry. But yeah, so 
I'm kind of, I'm just more interested to see who that is. I don't have a prediction of <laughs> who Snow. I think it is. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> He's in there. But I, I, I'm not sure. And I, I still feel like, I don't think Anna's in the clear with Simcoe. Like, I, I don't either. I'm just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see if she even goes back to Setauket because she mentioned that, you know, Sela had family in Connecticut. And initially, before she found out <clears throat> he was dead, they were they were going to go back to Connecticut. She wasn't ever going to go back to Setauket. Well, she'll go back now. Yeah. I mean, she just... Yeah. She just solidified another relationship. But yeah, if if news gets out that Sela's dead, Simcoe's like, ooh, ooh, dibs, dibs, I call yeah. dibs. Well, cause, uh, yeah, because she said, um, we you know, don't know what our fate, fate will be. What if, fate yeah. has in, my, in store for us. So, yeah, I, <laughs> it's a good point. I, I think he's going to go a little hardcore. I hope we see some uh, poetry. <laughs> oh, that I I would love to see that. There's but Valentine's in, card. in the preview though. Um, they it looked like uh, somebody made an attempt on Hewlett's life, and so that sort of um, I, I I think the gloves come off at that point, and Hewlett is going to stop trying to be delicate with the town, and um, he's going to let kind of his soldiers do what they do best. And, no uh, more hearts and minds attitude. No more hearts and minds. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a lot more like, no, we're gonna get this criminal. You know, you make let an them have their hearts and minds. On an if officer's got life, you pay the price. And you know, it, they they had like a really quick shot of a gallows with multiple nooses on it. So I think I'm afraid that he feels like he's going to have to make an example of a lot of people, which is kind of terrifying. Yeah, I agree with you. I think. His plan or, you know, his his strategies are going to be in shambles. And I did see that that shot of all the nooses coming down and everything. Mm-hmm. So something's going to go down. Um, and I do want to say that I think Richard is going to find out what Abe did at the dinner, what mm-hmm. happened. And, I mean, he already knows that him and Anna had some sort of contact in that sense. But this is way more embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I know one thing that's going to happen next week. And it's going to be know? epic. George Washington is going to return. Yay! Yes! That's good enough for That's, me. That is all I need is eating kind of my life some more with George Washington. Um, hey, there's the music in the background. It's coming in. Yeah, I think it with uh, the whole Hewlett situation, let them have their hearts and minds as long as we got them by the balls. He's going to have to definitely lay it on the lawn to talk it. And I think that, again, I, I was saying more. I think Selah's going to get joined up with Talmadge and Caleb, and that's going to be progressive there. So we'll find out next week. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Kristen, tell them where they can find more about you. You can find me on Twitter, Kristen Carroll 13 And I've also been doing a few Spotlight Ons. I recently uh, interviewed J. August Richards. So if you haven't checked that out, you should do it because he's awesome. It's true. He's, he's a really good interview. <laughs> Megan. Um, you can find me on Twitter at The Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do the Attack on Titan and Sword Art Online panels here on Sunday nights. Joyce. And you can find me on Twitter at J. Jury and on Instagram at I-R-U-O-J-A. Hey, and as always, you can find me at RyanHooks92 on the Twitter, the Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today to the Turn Episode 8 Challenge After Show. We'll be back next week for Episode 9, where we will have in studio Aldis Hodge and Idara Victor. Thanks so much for her for calling in. Yeah. For Kristen Carroll, Megan Salinas, Joyce Ajori, and Ryan Hooks, I'll catch you next time. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. 
To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.